Christian monk who lived in the Egyptian desert for 112 years in the 3rd and 4th centuries. Well, that's enough to make anybody a monk. We're going <laughs> to... This is just a little thing here at the bottom of the page, you know. Did you ever read the squibs at the bottom? Little thing is, you know, that uh, Montana upped its bean quota for 1974 by 17%. You know, little things like that. It says, Paul of Thebes was an early Christian monk who lived in the Egyptian desert for 112 years in the 3rd and 4th centuries. That's about as monkish as you can get. That's a... <laughs> Do you know anything about the Egyptian desert? Oh, wow. I, uh, one time, uh, well, you know, we never got to that, but uh, I have actually been uh, on the edge of the Egyptian desert. And uh, that's a desert. Oh, well, you know, the Sahara, that's really a better word for it, is the Sahara Desert. And uh, the scary thing that happens to you when you go to the Sahara Desert is to realize that the pyramids now are lit up inside with fluorescent lights. Yes, they are. And uh, I'm sorry, they are. <laughs> and more than that, they have one pyramid that's outlined with neon. And uh, that's kind of an interesting new slob art form. Well, of course, I also saw the same problem happening in the in the, the uh, Taj Mahal. Uh, uh, the Taj Mahal has all the glamour these days of an afternoon on a Sunday in April at Coney Island. Would you please hit the money button there? And now, the French experience. Today's episode brings an anxious knock to Felicia's door. It's Buffy, my old sorority sister and head cheerleader at Jolly Time Girl School. Felicia, it's my Jerome. Another woman? No, it's my wine. He says the sweet little wines I buy aren't mature enough. Then you must give Jerome the French experience. Shun, you were jolly time girl. Alexis Lachine Rose d'Ajou wine, Buffy Puff. Alexis Lachine Rose d'Ajou will turn your meals, your marriage, into a mature French experience. Tune in tomorrow when we hear Buffy call to cheer. Alexis Lachine, rah, 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 the French experience. This bomb, bomb. Now that's the Buffy I know. Ah, oh, Buffy Pooh, you are. A silly balloon. We would like to suggest uh, Alexis Lachine Wines, the French experience, Buffy Pooh, imported from France, La Belle France, by Bas Sherrington Vintners of New York. Oh, come on, sing it, gang. Let's hear it. Someday you're going to... You're just going to give in. Sooner or later. With so many new kinds of tires coming out, and so many claims being made about tires, maybe you're a little puzzled about making the right choice. Well, we have the solution. Just go out and buy General Tires. That's all. You know, sooner or later you're going to do it. The General Tire Specialist, he'll help you put the right tires on your car. If you need new tires, he'll be glad to spend a few minutes explaining which General Tire is best for you, your driving, and your budget. Your General Tire Specialist is one reason why, sooner or later, you'll own Generals. Look them up in the yellow pages. Sooner Sing it out. Later, you'll own Generals. Sooner or later, you'll own Generals. 
Oh, yes. Uh, tonight, uh, we have a, a special note that we're going to pass along to you that uh, kind of is great. I, uh, You know, when you're in showbiz, you get all kinds of uh, curious uh, invitations and suggestions and so on and things you should do or shouldn't do. And I just got a great, uh, a great uh, invitation. And I was in, I was invited to uh, on a national television network. I was invited to be the the uh, the commentator, the running commentator on the national spelling contest. You remember when you were a kid? Did you ever have a, any of these spelling things? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I don't suppose that the people who invited me have any uh, idea of what they've set in motion or why they did. But they, perhaps with the wisdom of, uh, of the animal kingdom, uh, unknowing but nevertheless uh, instinctual, they came to a person who at one time did have a brief glow in the sun, a brief turn through the flame as a magic speller. So I can... Uh, you know, it would be just like calling Frank Gifford, you know, to do something on football. He played a little football. And uh, surprisingly enough, there was a time when I did have a moment. And I can't explain it. You know, spelling is an inexplicable thing. One cannot explain uh, when one has a talent for this or why. Now, it's not really connected with intelligence, which is often considered to be, you know, this, well, you know, the person must be right. No, no. Intelligence does not play much of a role in it. Uh, in fact, uh, this is true of two fields, mathematics and spelling. One of the dumbest louts I ever knew was a guy named Farkas. Uh, Farkas was, uh, was not only a dumb lout in school, when I, you know, spent, uh, you spend a lot of time with a kid when you're going, you know, growing up and going through the same scene with, a, with about 15, 20, 30, 40 kids as you go through grade after grade. You get to know the various intelligences and capabilities of each. And uh, Farkas was a complete lout in every other department except two. Farkas was the most incredible math type I ever saw in my life. Farkas could add and subtract and divide and multiply. He could do, uh, uh, why, he could do hyperbolic functions when he was seven. And most of us are having trouble with pure natural functions when we're seven. Many people aren't even housebroken at that point. Uh, <laughs> this guy, incredible. And at the other hand, he was—he had an IQ of maybe six, seven, all the way through his life. He was a born, he was a little bit, just a wee bit above the ape level. Fist fighter of renowned capability. But he was incredible with math. Why? I don't know. Who knows? You accept these things. Who knows why? Why, why the hell is water wet? I don't know. It's wet, that's all. It's best to accept certain things. You agree, Matt? Right. Yeah, that's right. It is best. You you can drive yourself out of your bird, looking up in the sky and saying, "What's up? What's beyond that? What's beyond that? What's beyond the stars? What's beyond the solar systems? What's beyond the uh, E is equal MC squared? What's beyond it all? Nothing. You just have to accept it. It's here. That's it. Right. Except for the fact that Farkas was an incredible math wizard, also was an incredible bully, and uh, was a notorious fist fighter, and uh, he was the bad guy, literally the bad guy of our class. All right, now, another question. What happened? Uh, why? Without any warning, in the fifth grade, the teacher, fifth grade, I remember her well. In the fifth grade, Miss Nelson was a real, this is about the time when you start spelling, you know, there's a lot of spelling and a lot of reading and stuff like that about that period, you know, 
know, all the business of the finger paints are beginning to die down and, and uh, sitting around and eating graham crackers and drinking milk, which is what school consists of up to that point, and they're cutting out pumpkins and jazz. And now, all of a sudden, it's a slowly beginning to settle into uh, learning something about the mechanics of the world up there, you know, <laughs> like how to read and stuff. So, without any warning, I blossomed as a fantastic speller, and I can't explain it. Uh, here we were in fifth grade. Miss Norton used to divide the class into two groups. She would say, all right, okay, all of you from here over right back to Doppler, you go over and stand on that wall over there, and from here over here, you go to the other side by the windows. At which point, she would sit at her desk and would ask, uh, she would give a word. She would sit there at her desk and she would say, all right, uh, go down the line. We're all lined up. Is this the way you did it in your classes? Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're all lined up on either side. See, she'd say, all right, uh, okay, now the first word uh, will be for you over there. Uh, Eileen Akers, that's an A, of course. Eileen Akers, spell cumulative. Right. <laughs> and uh, she would attempt to spell cumulative. At which point, if she did not get it, she would have to go and sit down. And then she would go to the kid who was at the head of the other line. See, these were supposed to be two teams, you know, the beavers and the moles. And she would point to the other one, all right, now. Uh, okay, Esther Jane Alberry. this was also an A, you spell cumulative. Well, they would continue this and, and continue to knock them off until somebody spelled cumulative, at which point there would be a, a muffled uh, shifting of feet, uh, a feeling of relief that it didn't get down to you, <laughs> and there would be um, perhaps a smattering of applause, a few catcalls, uh, and the person who has just drilled one up against the left field wall is very proud for that minute and uh, the team's battle right? Well for some curious reason which I cannot explain I became uh, absolutely an instinctual speller I, I could I never I, I would look forward to them getting to me most people would get scared every time they get I look forward oh yeah come on uh, the anchor man and so it, invariably it worked out that there was a terrific battle that would in the, in the end would be between me and a girl whom I have never really mentioned much on this show because she was uh, just a sort of a cipher in the class. I have never mentioned Olivia Summerfield, have I? Well, Olivia Summerfield was the type of person who is invisible even when you're shining a big searchlight on them. Uh, she was the kind who, uh, who uh, you could walk right through, just like through an invisible door, never know you've done it. Uh, Olivia Summerfield uh, never said anything in class, never raised her hand. She was a little thin girl with heavy, thick glasses and sort of, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, yellowish kind of hair and uh, had kind of bad skin. It was quiet. She had gigantic braces. Uh, she, she had the biggest braces I ever saw, you know, the kind of braces that uh, uh, if you wanted to, you know, you could uh, you could uh, put a... Uh, Put a you could put a tuning capacitor in there. You could tune that up on twenty meters any time. She had a pretty good antenna system going there, you know, like a fairly decent forty meter dipole wired up into her mouth. So nevertheless, me and Olivia would invariably come right down the wire, and there we would be facing across the classroom, spelling it down. And uh, and of course, male chauvinism being what it was. Uh, 
All the males of the class would applaud every time I would whip up with a great word. I, I could even spell. Here's a word for you to spell. I remember one afternoon spelling this word to the astonishment of everybody in class, including me, because spelling is instinctual. Clarkus couldn't tell you how he did equations. <laughs> I mean, he just did it. Well, uh, sure, uh, chess is like that. Uh, the instinctual chess player. He can't tell you. you know, he can come later with an explanation, but when, he, when it hits him, he just puts it down. I spelled the word syzygy. Syzygy. Do you know what the word syzygy means? I didn't either. <laughs> so it really is. Spelling, you see, has little to do with the meaning. That's what I'm getting at, that you do not have to know the meaning of these words to be an, uh, an instinctual speller. For some reason or other, there's a bell goes off in your head, and you know how to spell it, and you just whip it right out. And a really good speller spells in a rush. You'll hear a good speller, uh, uh, we'll, we'll just spell T-H-A-T, you know, bam. Uh, it's the one, the minute you hear somebody saying, uh, C-Y, C-Y, forget it. In trouble. In trouble. That's like if you ever watch Tom Seaver pitch and in the middle of his windup, he begins to be conscious of his windup and you see him looking up at his arm. You know damn well, he ain't going to pitch good today. He's become conscious of an unconscious act. Hence, it's out. It's out the window. Now, at, at in the in fifth grade with Miss Nelson, it was fantastic. Really, it was amazing. And and I remember one afternoon. This was late in the in the semester, in fifth grade, because it was well established by now that me uh, and and uh, Olivia Summerfield were unquestionably the greatest spellers that uh, that uh, were sitting around in his class. Schwartz couldn't believe it. Uh, Flick, Bruner, the whole crud. <laughs> you know, it was just suddenly I, I emerged, you know, and I emerged, and I had this brief moment of the sun. Well, Olivia Summerfield had also emerged, and the and the two of us would have these great walk downs. Uh, a spelling walk down is something that, unless you've gone through it, uh, there's no way to describe it because it involves all kinds of things. Uh, it, you have to be totally c controlled and completely. Uh, concentrated. That's one of the most important parts of spelling. And at the same time, you have to be completely open, which is a very odd thing. Open, in, uh, in the, you've got to allow your instincts to flow. So Miss Nelson would sit at her desk and she would come up with these words. And she'd sit there and she has a list of words. She'd say, uh, all right, Jean, Olivia. Actually, she didn't talk like that. Jean, are you, are you ready? Olivia. Okay. Jean spell serendipity. Serendipity. <laughs> S-E-R-E-N-D-E-I-A-R. Bam, 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 bam. Serendipity. Then there would be a pregnant pause. Very good. Now, of course, you'd see Olivia tense slightly. And I look across at her. Across, we're on opposite sides of the class. Serendipity. That's an easy one. You can just take that one. See, because that one breaks down nicely into syllables. Serendipity. No problem. Serendipity. And then uh, she would turn. And there's an old, there's a great classic word which has, has proven to be uh, a, a, a curious stumbling block for many otherwise incredibly fantastic spellers. Now, have you ever noticed, in, in, even in, in, in athletics, you'll find the same thing. 
that uh, that something which is comparatively simple will confuse a great performer in in a certain field. For example, some guys are tremendous, 350 hitters. They cannot bunt. You've seen that. You could you could teach them to bunt all day long. They cannot bunt. I have seen other guys who were 120 hitters who could bunt till the damn cows came home. Could lay them down all over the infield and you know put, put them in, in a, within a two-inch circle. Now what is it? Well, there is one word. What is the word that has been the the, the uh, Armageddon for many uh, a speller who can spell incredible stuff? What? No, no, no. That's an easy one. By the way, the length of the word is not the criterion. No way. <laughs> Oh, no, no. The, speaking, uh, you know, stumbling blocks are, are stumbling blocks. And nobody knows why. I mean, a stumbling block is. It reminds me, this is W.O.R. New York. Right in the middle of the band, this gigantic hurdle that everyone has to leap over. Come to be in the There's fashion every day. And happening round your way. It's how you live. That's Jeffrey Bean, 3G, Eagle. The who's who in men's fashion is all together this spring at B&B Lorries. Pierre Cardin, Palm Beach, London Pog, Damon. Happening right now at all 15 B&B Lorries. Suits, sport coats, ensembles, duos, trios, plus exciting new sportswear coordinates. Fresh from the expert hands of the who's who. All designed for men with a young point of view. And all flawlessly fitted right in the B&B Lorries you're shopping in. B&B Lorry's values are as big as the names, too. And charge it. If you don't have a charge, open one. Jeffrey Bean, 3G, Eagle, Pierre Cardin, London Fog, Damon, Palm Beach. The who's who in men's fashions. All together now at all 15 B&B Lorry's fashion centers. Also available at Tress Green Acres, Zimmerman's, Rutherford, New Jersey. Come to B&B Lorry's. Come to B&B Lorry's. Here's news from Queen Elizabeth II. Now you can sail to Europe on Queen Elizabeth II and fly home free. I'll repeat that. Sail to Europe on Queen Elizabeth II and fly back to New York free. She reaches Europe in five luxurious days. You have ample time for touring because you fly back. Meals and entertainment on board are included. A whole new crowd of people are discovering Queen Elizabeth II because she's affordable. And she's fun. She has nine bars, four swimming pools, three nightclubs, a discotheque, a gymnasium, a sauna, a casino, and three of the finest restaurants in the world. Sail first class grades A to H and fly home free. Sail tourists grades L to Q and S to U and fly home half fare. Flights are British Airways economy. You can stay in Europe up to 16 days. Call your travel agent or Cunard at 212-983-2510. Sail to Europe on Queen Elizabeth II and fly home free. Great ships of British registry since 1840. <laughs> I'm singing out, gang. Someday you'll own. Someday you'll own. Sooner or later, you'll own Yeah, with so many new kinds of tires coming out and so many claims being made about tires, all those wise guys talking there, maybe you're puzzled about making the right choice. Well, here's a simple solution. Go to your general tire specialist. He'll tell you what tires to buy. He's trained to handle all your tire needs and automotive service problems, too. So if you need new tires, he'd be glad to spend a few minutes explaining which general tire is best for you. Will suit you and your marriage, your driving, your budget, and your family problems. Your general tire specialist. Sooner or later, you'll own 
Yeah, look him up in the yellow pages today. Sooner or later, you'll own generals. But uh, nevertheless, what is the stumbling block word for a great speller? I'll tell you what it is. Every speller who's ever spelled it uh, feels a sense of, uh, of, of fear, a rising gorge. It's a simple word. Scissors. Now, you'd think anyone who could spell syzygy would have no trouble with scissors, right? Not so. I mean, uh, it's uh, if you, if you'd be surprised what would happen if you took Jack Nicholas to a miniature golf course. You'd think he'd go right through that, you know, like a like a dose of X-Lax <laughs> through a cow, right? No way. Uh, oh, no way. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he'd have trouble with the windmill. And uh, some 12-year-old kid could knock balls through the windmill without even looking at it, you know. Dunk, dunk, dunk. And, uh, but that's, that's the word. There are several others that are, that are curious, too, uh, which I'll lay on you from time to time. But as, a, as an ex-champion speller, uh, I can only say it's a mysterious process, not connected with intelligence. Although I will point out that many spellers are indeed intelligent, but also many of them are dumb. Many a speller, if uh, if you pull them out of, out of the ranks and says, "Hey, that was terrific! You spell syzygy, fantastic!" Uh, use it in a sentence. Uh, he could spell sentence. <laughs> uh, no way! It's it's a, spelling has nothing whatsoever to do. Uh, by the way, spelling also has nothing whatsoever to do with the ability to write. That also confuses people. No, no, uh, I'm not even speaking of handwriting. A good speller is not necessarily a writer. Many a guy will take seven years of spelling hoping that he can write a novel. No way. <laughs> oh, that's right. You'd be surprised the number of people who think that, that, uh, learning, uh, that, that learning how to type well is going to make you instantly a novelist. But uh, no way. It has nothing to do. They have the, the skills are not connected. In fact, they're often the, spell this word, antithesis. Let's hear it. Spell it. Antithesis. 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 A N what? T what? Antithesis? Spell it. Nothing but blank looks. That's exactly what you get when you're a great speller, usually from your friends. Now, uh, nevertheless, there is a word, scissors. And so I'm going to describe to you what happens to great spellers. Yeah, this uh, this is a, I suppose you can say this is a, a story about sport because after all, spelling is a competition. To a to a to a speller, uh, and I'm talking about a speller, and that's in capital. To a speller, spelling is a competition against lesser mortals. Now, to most people, spelling is just part of your life. You you write down uh, uh, one quart of milk. Uh, that's what spelling is about. And I know that this is uh, what the spelling means to most. Not to a speller. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, to uh, to a speller, spelling is often a way of life and uh, is deeply intertwined with the curious mind which a speller must have. Bobby, uh, uh, Bobby Fisher. Uh, chess is not a game to Bobby Fisher. Chess is far more than a game. Do you agree with that, Matt? Okay. And only you're going to say, well, because he, made, he makes a million dollars on it. 
Well, he did not. When 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 Bobby Fischer got into spelling, if a if a if a or into chess, if a major chess player in Bobby Fischer's early days made twelve dollars a year from playing chess, he was obviously a shark, and probably a hustler. That uh, no way. <laughs> so so uh, you are drawn to these things. Now I I see the day when there will be great uh, national spelling competitions in which two million dollars will be on the line. A Bobby Fischer of of spelling is going to arise, and <laughs> and that and, and well, there will be a, uh, an enormous battle with the with the great the international spelling champ uh, who comes from Taiwan, and uh, the two of them will battle it down. Howard Cosell will be on the sidelines, and they'll have to pick a neutral country like Greenland, where they will finally decide out <laughs> who's the greatest speller in the world. So, nevertheless, I I had I had a curious. I've never forgotten this. You know, there are times when you learn something in your life that you cannot ever, you can't learn any other way than to experience it. You can read about it, but uh, when you've read about it, it doesn't mean anything until it's happened to you. Have you ever wondered uh, what happens when, say, uh, uh, for, for inexplicable reasons, a performer suddenly stops doing it and can't cut it? This is this this plagues ball players. You know, a guy will go along and he's he's you know he's a three hundred hitter. Yeah, he's a three hundred hitter. All of a sudden, without any warning, here's a three hundred hitter. He's obviously got twenty twenty eyesight. Uh, you know, he's twenty three years old. He's got fantastic reflexes. He weighs two hundred and five pounds. He's six foot three. He's batting three hundred. Batted three hundred since he was twelve years old. Without any warning, suddenly one day in the middle of uh, May, we'll say May seventh. He goes 0 for 3. The next day, he goes 0 for 5. The day after that, he goes 0 for 2. The day after that, the only thing he could get, he got hit by a pitched ball. Uh, that's the only time he's been on now in three weeks. Then he goes 0 for 7. He winds up going 0 for 22. And he can't explain what the hell's happening. Do you agree? And sometimes, and this is the thing that makes them practically go out of their bird, a guy after he's gone... Oh, for 26, he's lying in this sack. He's, uh, you know, they've gone to San Diego for a big doubleheader against the ball club there, and he's lying in the sack, and suddenly it occurs to him, maybe this is forever. He could see himself going oh for 700. That's the thing that hits you. And sometimes it happens. It has happened. Do you agree, Jerry? Yes, it has happened. Uh, once it happens, there's hardly any going back. Well, late in the fall of the year that I am speaking, I was in the fifth grade. I had become the unquestioned co-holder of the leading spelling title in the fifth grade, and Incidentally, in the entire school, which was the Warren G. Harding School, no question that, that me and Olivia Stoneman were it. That was it. We were the tops. Everything's fine. And I had a grasp of spelling. I was. You, you, there's a certain exhilaration to know that you're the master of your medium. I'll tell you, there's nothing like uh, walking out on the mound. must be fantastic to know that you're facing nothing but a bunch of banjo hitters. And you're Tom Seaver. That must be a great feeling. Do you agree? 
mean, to know that you've got five pitches, any one of which could blow any one of those hitters right out of the box. I mean, even your slow curve is faster than anything they can hit. So, so you know, it's a great feel. Be really on top of it. Well, I was, I was experiencing that heady glow of complete mastery. And late in the fall, the, uh, the word came down uh, that they were going to have this national spelling thing. You know, the very thing that I've I'm, I'm been called in to, to MC. I, it, it drifted even down to the Warren G. Harding School. And by the, by the end of the, the semester, Olivia and I were nominated by Miss Nelson to enter the city spelling championships among all the other schools. You know, they have competition. You ever seen them between other schools? And so we were sent to the Lincoln School. Now, the Lincoln School was another school. It was a great school. And uh, we were competing in the, in the I think it was about like the, uh, the 12-year-old class, 12 to 13 or 14, something like that, uh, junior high. It was junior high, something. So anyway, we went off to, to the Lincoln School. And uh, the, the, the spelling semifinal was held on the stage of the Lincoln School. And they had about 15 kids, 17, uh, two, two from each school. There were about, uh, about 18 or 19, 20 kids, roughly, on the stage. And we were sitting in two lines, like a little, little, uh, like a little grandstand, two lines of 10 kids behind each other. And I'm sitting in the back row there. <laughs> they had the little kids in the front. So I'm sitting in the back row, and uh, they had two teachers from schools that were not even represented here. See, so they were pulling these things out of the hat. They knew, they knew none of us, and they were pulling the, uh, words out of the hat and just throwing them at us. And they, it came from an official, some kind of official list of words that is provided by the National Spelling Contest people. And so, boy, you know, like I said, and how does a speller, how does a speller train? Well, I trained all throughout my fifth grade. I would train. Absolutely, you train. Oh, yeah. I would, I would say, uh, I, would, I would sit in the kitchen, see, and uh, my mother or my old man or my brother or somebody, they'd been re- re- would be reading the paper, see, and uh, my old man would say, hey, hey, I'd say, yeah, he'd say, uh, quick, 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 spell parchment. That's a parchment, P-A-R-C-H-M-E-N-T, parchment. <laughs> and he'd say, hmm, okay, then he'd go back to reading. And then he'd come across another word, he'd say, spell, uh, quick, 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 spell necessity, and he asked, you know, <laughs> necessity. So, N-E-C-E-S-S-A-T-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-
You know, it's great. I was knocking off words. She'd give me the bop, 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 they come out. Well, Olivia went down in flames after about five rounds, and uh, she was eliminated. And uh, finally, the last kid left standing was guess who? Well, I got a badge for that. As you're curious, the, the, the local American Legion gave us a little a little badge. I got a gold one. Everybody else got a silver one. And I got a little gold badge that said I was the semifinal spelling champ of this uh, particular uh, division. And, uh, you know, congratulations. And so I had the spelling champ button badge. Well, I went home and everybody cheers. The old man cheers. My kid brother was totally bored. Nothing could be more boring than spelling. And, uh, you know, oh, well, that's true. You never hear about what uh, Bobby Fisher's relatives say about chess. No way. So, you know, you're, you're never a hero at home anyway. So uh, I, I I could hardly wait because the next week, now we are moving into the regional finals, which meant that all the, our school district was divided up into what they call regions in the city, various regions of the city. And now we're in the regional. It is held at George Rogers Clark. Big school. This was a biggie. Held at George Rogers Clark, and there were about 500 kids in the audience. And they came from, from uh, George Rogers Clark, all the schools. Around. I'd never been to this school, but there were a lot of kids. I never had seen any of them before. And there, there must have been, oh, maybe another 20 kids up on stage. And there were two totally different teachers. And this time they had something new, which I had never seen in spelling contests. They had a referee. You know they have referees? Now, a referee is, is, a, is appointed by the committee to, uh, to, uh, to arbitrate any dis- discussions or objections which may come up during the spelling. He has to watch very carefully. And you're given a time limit, you know. You can only spell the word. You have a time limit to spell the word in. And, and if, uh, if you object uh, to certain things, the referee takes it under advisement and either rejects your claim or he moves on. There's a referee sitting over there, and he's got a timer, a photo timer. You know what a photo timer looks like? One of these big white clocks, you know? And uh, you could set it to to run for one minute, uh, two minutes, or whatever, or ten seconds, or five, and it had a buzz to it. It was when it goes around. So we started to spell, and I was sweating, man. We started to spell, and I was sweating, and we continued to spell. It went for about an hour and a half. I was still in the competition, and there was a tall, skinny kid, tall, skinny guy from Roosevelt uh, from Roosevelt School who really had a mean look, and he was hanging in there. His name was Leonard. And I'd never seen this guy before, and I've never liked people named Leonard since. But uh, we are battling along, and there's about five of us left, and, and, I, and he kept looking at me. He was psyching me out. It was the first time I'd been actually worked on psychologically as a speller. Yes, you know the old Muhammad Ali technique when they walk out to the middle of the ring before the fight? What did he used to do? He'd look him right in the eyes. He'd go, like that. You know, he'd look at him. And of course, uh, it scared everybody. It scared Sonny Liston. You know, Sonny Liston jumped back. He was good for maybe eight seconds after that. The first shot, he was down. Psyching is important. Well, Leonard was psyching me. He'd look at me. So he'd sit over there and look. Well, we worked and worked and worked. Another kid dropped off. And finally, we are down to me and Leonard. It, it was inevitable. It was me and Leonard, and this was the regional championships of the spelling spelling competition. It was Leonard and myself. 
And they give Leonard this word, and Leonard went out. He blew it. And I was, you know, this is it, man. And then it happened. What was the word they gave Leonard? Sissage. Of all words. You probably never heard the damn word before. This was the word that I had first established my reputation with. And I thought, oh, God, you know, And, and the, the, the referee and the two teachers turned and says, would you please spell sissage? And I said, it was gone. Maybe watching Leonard try to spell Sisogy had done something to my head. I could not spell Sisogy. It was crazy. And Miss Nelson was sitting in the audience. She knew I could spell Sisogy. I could not spell Sisogy. And the clock is going... I started twice. I started three times. Sisogy. Sisogy. Uh, Sisogy. Uh... C Y S C. No, 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 no. Hold it, hold it. Sisogy. C Y C. Sisogy. And then it went boing. Son of a gun. Well, now at that point, since both of us had booted a word, they have. Alternate words, then, because you've only got these two guys left. Now, how they do that is very interesting. They start with very easy words. So, the teacher said, Leonard, would you please spell the word could? Could. Leonard said that could. I could see he too. <laughs> His confidence after after he blew Sisogy, you know, it was it was no longer the, the hard shark like Leonard that I was facing from this mysterious school, Roosevelt, where I'd never seen or never been before. You know, have you ever had the feeling the kids in other schools are vaguely alien, they have a whole different scene going and uh and Leonard, Leonard, uh, you know, was from this alien school, and, and somehow they had, they had turned out a race of super spellers over there. And, and I could see that Leonard now was reduced to just like anybody else, a runny-nosed kid with a worried look in the eye. And uh, the teacher says, Leonard, spell could. The word is could. And at that point, the referee goes, and the word, you know, the, the, the clock starts. He says, could. C O U L D could. And then they hit the button. Boing. Okay. Then they turn to me and they say, Please, your word, Gene, your word is. Are you ready? Flying. Spell flying. Flying. Uh, all right. The word uh, flying. Just clock starts. F L Y I N G. Flying. I could see Lenny's 
blinks back and they hit the button again. Okay, flying. You know what? Why they pull words like that? You curious? A lot. You'd be surprised at the number of people that spell flying. F L, F L I E, I N G. Oh, you get all kinds of strange ways of spelling. They throw e's in it and all that. Yeah, they do. So, <laughs> then, then, yes, indeed, they do. So, so there's all kinds of cute little things. And then, then they turn to to Leonard. All right, Leonard. Your word is weather. Spell weather. And, and Leonard says weather. Uh, w e um, t. No, 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 no. Uh, stop. Hold. W. You get two tries though. W e A T H E R weather, boing zap. Now, why did they pull that on it? Because many people will spell weather uh, with W E T H E R. You'd be surprised, but here's the most curious one: they confuse it with the word weather. Weather is not the same as weather. And that's part of spelling is to hear that because you know she can't say oh we mean we mean weather w h you know that one <laughs> no way so you have to have an ear see what word they're saying whoa you know let it let it barely escape that that pitfall <laughs> so then she turns to me and spell she says please spell lightning lightning l i G H P and I spelled it like now they're getting sneakier see they're going a little further on she says Leonard would you please spell telephone T E L E P H O N E telephone and all the while, I had this funny feeling inside of my gut that it was going to happen. Have you ever had? Have you ever had the the feeling? You know, people are very interesting. People are, are strange. Not strange, really. We're complicated, more so than we ever suspect. We have instincts that we haven't even touched yet. Have you ever had the feeling of inevitable disaster? You knew you were going to drop a fly ball. You knew, knew what? You knew it, and you did. Leonard spells the word coming. Oh, that throws a lot of people too. Coming. She turned to me and then said, "Gene, your word is." And I knew it. I knew it. Instinctively, a bell went off. Just forget it. You're done. And that's the worst thing that can happen to a top, a, a totally conditioned athlete. And spelling is athleticism of the mind. She turns to me and said, "Spell scissors." I had worked on that word. I knew that word. I could give you that word in my sleep. The minute I blew it, I could hear the crowd. There were five hundred of them go. 
Everybody knew that scissors is the one word that all ace competition spellers can spell because they know it's a trap. They know it's a trap, a snare, and a delusion, and you work on scissors until you can say scissors without even thinking scissors. You just say scissors, 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 and I blew it. The crowd went, <sighs> and I saw Miss Nelson sitting way down there in the crowd. Her face is white. Something happened that afternoon, and I've never been able to spell well. Not really, sir. Not really. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for John Wingate. It's 10 o'clock. The big blast in mid-Manhattan. Tenants of three buildings evacuated. Red Cross shelter set up. Eyewitness reports. Donald Johnson out as head of Veterans Administration. Direct interview on class action lawsuits and what the New York State Legislature may or may not do about them with Melvin Block, head of the New York Trial Lawyers Association. It's 10 o'clock in New York, and this is John Wingate with the Wingate News Digest. You, your money, medicine, stocks, oil company, profits, and people. All to come. Forget that full-size car. Get a mid-size Matador. The all-new Matador Coupe comes with an interior so roomy and comfortable, it's hard to believe it's a mid-size car. And Matador is backed by the AMC Buyer Protection Plan. See the economy experts. Yes, see the economy experts in the full line of AMC cars. Gremlin, Hornet, Matador, Javelin, and Ambassador at your AMC dealer. The superintendent tells me tonight they're all out of the...